May the Spirit regenerate us this morning. Let there be conformity to the character of Christ, joyous explosion and outpouring of joy and celebration. We pray this in Jesus' name, and the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. Let's give a big hand to our great worship team. They did awesome. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. You can turn to Acts chapter 13, uh, and we will uh, read the Word of God from there. I want to begin by asking you this question. Are you the person that you want to be? Are you the person that you want to be? Are you the person that you want to be? Have you lived the life that you want to be? Are you whole and well this morning? Jesus said to a man who had been ill for 38 years. And when he met him, he said to, he said to him, Do you want to be well? Do you want to be made well? Of course, the answer will be, yes, I want to be made well. And Jesus met another person, a woman, who had been having a blood issue for 12 years. And she had depleted all her spending and her account in trying to heal her illness and sickness. The question would be, do you want to be made well? Of course, yes. She would like to be made well. She would want to be whole. We are doing a series called Making Disciples and Not Christians. This morning, if you're not a Christian, if you're from other faith, God's heart is very big and you are very welcome in this place. You're welcome in this place. This is the place for you. Because God is inviting you to a life that He has prepared and made for you. So we are making disciples, not Christians. There is a difference between making disciples and Christian and making Christians. And I'm going to do this series for a while so you will know what this series is about. Now, church, the zeal, the zeal for making disciples does not grow out of superior spirituality. And theological scholarship. But out of love. The zeal for making disciple, The passion to make disciple, It's not because you are superior than others in your thought. And in your spirituality. In your learning. In your knowledge. No. The basis. The foundation of making disciple And inviting people into the life of Christ. Grows out of love. Grows out of love. The basis for us to come here this morning is also out of love. If you're interested in a person's life and you want to help that person to become the God-intended person so he will have a God-intended impact, it will come from love. So are you the person that you want to be? Or do you want the other person to become the person they want to be? If that is the case... It will come out of love. Love will be the driving force. Love will be the compelling reason why you live. And you will live your life according to God's love. 
the reality from God. And you will live your life from the reality of God. And what is that reality, by the way? Is that He loves everyone. He loves everyone. I had been praying and working for this series for a long time. And I'm just praying and praying. And I read Acts 13 to 20 over and over and over again. I've read many times asking the Spirit of God to speak to me. And as I was reading that Bible, I was also reading a couple of books. And one of them is a a new book on how the church should live and how the leaders should lead in this uncharted territory in the 21st century. And as I came, as I was reading, uh, he was a pastor. Uh, He was a dean of a seminary. And he was writing that one year as he was pastoring, uh, they had $100,000 surplus that current ministry year. It's a lot of money. The church has been growing consecutively for 10 years. Right? Uh, they have added and magnified and beautified the facilities. They have added services. They added a Spanish-speaking group. Everything was going on great. Right? So if there is a church that has been growing for 10 years, they have added services, they have uh, renovated buildings, they have added Spanish uh, language group, would you consider that church doing well or not? Yes, right? Healthy? Yes. Well, when they wanted to preach the gospel to others, and they want to focus sharing the gospel to others. You know what happened? The energy waned. Enthusiasm came down. Right? So you have lots of money. You have lots of activities. You have lots of program. You're adding services. And then when you want to make disciples. Then the energy of the church came down. And the enthusiasm came down. Most of the time, we are doing everything else in the church except making disciples. And when we are called to make disciples, then you say, I thought that was pastor's responsibility. Why am I called to make disciples? Because you have been saved. And you are good with that And say, that's it, my job's done. And you have not confirmed to the invitation of life that Christ has called to come and live. Making disciples does not mean that you are to go and make people to come to salvation, which is part of it. But it's not like, if you don't believe in Christ, you're going to go to hell. So you better believe. Is your name written in the book of life? If not, you're going to go to hell. Make sure that your name is written in the book of life. Be saved now. No. Making disciples is inviting people to the life of Christ. It's an invitation to the life of Christ. Not confronting them and fearing them and scaring them with hell to come to God. Making disciples is letting them know the attractive life of who Christ is. It is the invitation to the abundant life of Christ. 
that you live and confirm according to what He had intended your life to be so you can impact other people as God intended to be. So when you read John chapter 3, let's say, we read it as a confession of our sins and repentance of our sins. No, read carefully. It's an invitation to the life of Christ. That is making disciples. And the life of Christ is contagious and attractive. And it is really, really good for us. You know why? Because we can be whole and well when we live and walk with Christ. That is the series. So we're looking at Paul's model in this series, how he did it, that within a period of 10 years, he's able to plant churches in four provinces. There are about 20 churches that Paul planted by one guy that changed the history of Christian faith. How did he do it? What was his theology? And what was the result? That is what we're interested in. We're not looking at his method because time has changed. Right? So when you come to Acts chapter 13, you will find it. Right? So here is a man, when Paul, in his first missionary journey, Paul came to uh, Cyprus, Paphos. And when he came there, do you know who he met? First time, first missionary journey, Circus Paulus. Now, who is Circus Paulus? Circus Paulus is a nobleman. He is a senate proconsul in one of the most powerful empire of the world at that time, Roman Empire. He has wealth, fame, position. He has power. And Paul met this man, and he is going to make disciples of this powerful man and the elder Pliny the one who wrote the natural history wrote about Circus Paulus that he is an intelligent man Josephus wrote about it that he had done he was also an author and Pliny had quoted two of his works this guy was an intelligent powerful man and in the first missionary journey Paul met and encountered this guy. It would be, I was thinking, this is going to be very hard. I mean, this guy has everything. Right? But he was seeking. He was seeking. And we thought that he had made it all. But not. He was wanting to become the person that he wanted to be. And this fame, this power in the most powerful empire at that time was not giving it to him. So Paul tapped into what he was seeking and what he was trying to become. And the astonishing thing is that Circus Paulus believed in Christ and he was astonished at the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he became a follower of Christ. So how did that happen? How did that happen? And what happened when he did that? We want to look at that. So I want to tell a story of how Circus Paulus, the powerful, intelligent Roman proconsul, a senate, became a follower of Jesus Christ. So you're with me this morning? 
right? So that's the background. So let's hear it. Okay, so what kind of church makes disciples then? What kind of, make, what kind of church makes disciples? So as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Right? Acts chapter 13, verse 1. It says, there were leaders in that church, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? That as you minister to the Lord, it means they were teaching the Word of God. They were exhorting other people with the Word of God. Right? They were praying and worshiping, and they were taking care of the poor. That is as they ministered. They were serving and caring the poor. They were exhorting and teaching the word of God. And they were praying and fasting and worship. So the church in Antioch. There was a church in Antioch. Where the word Christian was first named. That church. The leaders were doing what? They were praying and fasting. They were reading the word of God. Exhorting others the word of God. And they were taking care of the poor. When they were doing this, something happened. What happened? The Holy Spirit of the Lord came and spoke to them. So, what kind of a church will make disciples? A church that studied the Word of God. A church that takes care of the poor. A church that prays and fasts and worships. That kind of a church is where the Spirit of the Lord will be alive. That kind of a church is where God will come and work. Then we come to us. Right? Are you studying the word of God? Right? Are you exhorting other people? Are you serving and caring the poor? Are you fasting and praying? If we are doing all those things out of love, not just ritual checklist. Ritual checklist. When you come to this church in the morning, uh, have I prayed? Yeah. Did I sing? Yes. Have I given? Yeah. And you go home just to do the ritual list. No, no, that is not. It's the resurrected life of Christ that you experience and encounter when you come here. That worship takes meaning and you can be whole and well. We're talking about the experiencing and encountering God and rejuvenating regeneration and living in the power of the resurrected life. That's what we're talking about. So when we love God and read the word of God and worship and pray and give and take care of the poor out of love, compelled by love, there we experience the resurrected life. That is the reality of God. So when people walk into our church, when people walk into this uh, worship service, they encounter the presence and the resurrected life of Christ from you. When that happens, the kingdom of God will be here on earth. And that is the kind of church that we want to be. That is the kind of church we aspire to be. So this was the church in Antioch. This small church in Antioch, the home church of Paul, allowed him to plant churches all over Asia and Europe. And in 10 years, he changed four provinces. Four provinces. We can be a church like that. Only if we pray and worship. If we are steep studying the Word of God. If we are taking care of the poor. And if we are fasting and praying and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Are you with me? Right? This is a time, exciting time. It's an urgent time that we are a part of it. Time is not going to wait. The Spirit is moving. 
He's moving. He's moving and He wants us to set us on fire. He wants us to set us on fire. And we got to be ready because God is ready. He has been ready. He is ready. He will be ready. He needs you and I. We got to be like a church in Antioch. So what kind of a church makes disciples? The church that ministers to the Lord. Are we clear on that? And you know what ministers means, right? The definition, praying, fasting, worshiping, taking care of the poor, of the poor, reading the Word of God, and exhorting the Word of God to others. So as they were meaning. Right? Now the next one is, how can a church make disciples? Or disciples? Then, here, then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Eh? So they were praying and fasting. Now you see, the second step is that having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them. On whom? On Paul and Barnabas. This is where the outward life. You ready? You with me? This is where the outward life is naturally flowing with the teaching and the command of Jesus. See? This church, outward life, is naturally flowing with the commands and teachings of Jesus. So, they are not forced. It's not a ritual. It's not an institution. It's just an outward flow of Christ's teaching and His life. Because they have fasted and prayed there in the Word of God. They hear the Holy Spirit. So what did they do? They laid hands and fasted and prayed for these two gentlemen to go out and make a difference in people's life. Church, this is one area that we need to work on. As we pray for leaders to serve in the board or volunteers or staff, we have to make sure that we do with grace and compassion and love and exhort and affirm and equip people the best that we can. But when it's time for us to decide, to choose who will go where, who will do what, which ministry, then we have to know that their outward life is naturally flowing with the life and teaching of Christ. We cannot compromise on that. That doesn't mean we don't have compassion and love for other people. But in order to make disciples, we must first become a... Yeah, I didn't hear you. In order to make disciples and invite people to Christ, we must first become... Thank you. Thank you. Right? Yes. No, I'm Christ-hearted. I have a lion's heart. <laughs> so, that is necessary. Because then... That means you have given, you have identified the people that are called and gifted, not because they have degree and education, because they can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit calling them. It's not because of their superior spirituality or theological scholarship. It's because they love people. Bottom line, they love people and they love the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. And they are ready. They are ready to make a difference and invite people into the life, abundant life that Christ has invited and called. And they want to go there. 
Right. So how can a church make disciples? We have to identify. We have to create space. We have to empower and give him or her, young or old. Allow them to be fully used by the Holy Spirit. That's how we can do it. Oh, hallelujah. So why do we have to make disciples then? Right? Why do we have to make disciples? Now, separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I have called them. It's because it is not about our church or a church. It is always about the church. You get that? It is not about Santa Clara First Baptist Church. It is not about our church. It is not about that church. It is it has been and it will always be about the church. And God will call people to work in His church. It is not about you. It is not about me. It has always and will be about Jesus. That is why it is God's mission. It is God's vision. It is God's call. It is God's desire that people of all nations are saved and they live a wholesome, well life. The shalom that God promised. That is the reason why we make disciples because it is because of His desire, not ours. He calls us. He died for you. He died for us. And He invited us to come and live the resurrected life. That is why we make disciples. That is why we make disciples. Do you want to be whole? Yes. Do you want to be made well? Yes. How can you be made well? How can you be whole? It's all about Jesus. Follow Him and follow the path that He has Prescribe for you. Then you will be well and you will be whole. Is there any one of us this morning that doesn't want to be whole? That doesn't want to be well? That loves anxiety? That loves depression? Right? That loves pressure? Oh, I feel good. I like depression. I like anxiety. I like to struggle. I love distress. Christ invites us. To abundant life. And what is that abundant life? It's not money. It's not wealth. It's abundance of joy. It's abundance of peace. And abundance of love. Love for God and love for one another. That's the invitation that Christ invites. Who doesn't want to live that kind of life? Right? People want to live that kind of life. The thing is, at the church, we preach for 40 minutes how hard it is to come to Jesus Christ. We preach for 40 minutes. It is impossible to come to Jesus Christ. And we make people feel so hard to come to Jesus. And then we sing for 10 minutes and make it very easy. Now you can come to Christ. <laughs> right? Well, that's the truth. We don't do that here, right? Our worship is amazing. It allows you to connect to Christ and the Holy Spirit. It prepares you to receive what God has prepared for you. 
And pastor doesn't want to preach here that coming to Jesus is so hard you can never come to him. It wasn't hard. Christ just said, follow me. And they followed. We cannot make it so hard for people to come to Jesus and live the life that he has invited them to. As they come along, they will learn in the process. Spiritual growth, spiritual life, spiritual formation is a process. Even the most despicable or the most admirable man is going through a spiritual formation. And it is where we take the desire and the craving of those people and direct them and be driven by God's desire. Then they will be aligned to the life that God has intended for them. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will he will give you the desires of your heart. But it is not about being driven. It's not about being a, a, a program. Do you know what God is interested in? He is interested in the desire. If we can drive that desire to God's desire, you will be whole. You will be made well. And He will give you the desires of your heart. And what is that desire? Most of us love, peace, joy. More than money. More than house, more than the cars that we own, we want love, joy, peace. Right? So, look at here. So he met Circus Polis. Now, let's talk about Circus Polis. This real historical figure, excavation have found it. You can Google it later on. There's all kinds of information. Right? So, Paul came to him. This intelligent author, powerful senate that runs the country, the Roman Empire, one of them, how am I going to have a conversation? Right? How am I going to have a conversation with this guy? Well, they had a conversation because he was seeking. He called Barnabas and Paul because he sought. He was seeking to hear the word of God. Right? Acts chapter 13, verse 7. Now, so... Uh, and he was astonished at the teaching. What do you think he taught? Because Christ has said, you know, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Right? I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the vine. Well, the Romans, the vine, they'll get it. Because they like wine to drink, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, great. Oh, I get the picture. You're the wine? Okay, because if I don't... If I'm not sticking to you, then I cannot bear fruit. Okay, I get that. You know, I'm the resurrection. What do you mean by that? You remember the cross, the crucifixion of Christ that the Romans love? You crucify people when they committed sin, rebel against the Roman government because they have mistake, they have stolen, they were a thief or robber or one of those uh, bad monster people. Uh, yeah, Christ died for you. you. You remember that, that crucifixion? He did that so you don't have to do that. He was taking away the mess and the sins and the mistakes of the world. So if you follow him, there is a chance for you to have a regenerated, resurrected life. So, okay, you know, this is a new thought. This is a new idea. Let me think about that. And he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he, Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's in the life. You're looking for knowledge. In him is knowledge. And then you're talking about the Roman society. So uh, let's talk about marriage. 
And, and Christ said, he is against violent divorce. Matthew chapter 5, read from the middle down, from 20 onward, there are five principles that Christ has given. One of them is marriage. He is against violence, divorce. And then as a senate, as a man of power, as a proconsul, he might have many mistresses. He might have a wife uh, who is not happy at home, and he is not fulfilled in his marriage life. Could be one of those things that was Christ's teaching. And he is surprised, right? So a young man came to me. Uh, he works in one of the tech company, and he came and he said, uh, 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 I'm struggling in my marriage. I did something wrong to my wife, uh, but I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in God. I'm not a believer. So we were staying in my office, and I said to him, okay, it's good. You're not a believer. You're not a Christian. You don't believe in God. You don't believe in Bible. No, I don't believe in any of those things. I just believe in science and empirical reasoning and thought. That's how I live. Okay, so I said, uh, uh, in the Bible, Christ said, if, you, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, right? You remember that? If your left hand causes you to sin, throw it away. So I went and to my drawer and I took out of knives that which body part caused uh, the sin against your wife. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I wanted to do that, but I didn't do it. And I said, I asked him a question, that's fine. We're not even going to talk about forgiveness or God. I said, uh, how, is your, uh, are you opti- are, how is your effectiveness? Are you giving yourself at the optimum level? How is your output? Is it 100% in your workplace and your life? And he said, no, I'm not 100%. How much? Maybe 50%. Why? Because I'm struggling with my wife. So I said, why do you think you're struggling with your wife? How did you get here? And he said, because I am selfish. Okay, now let's work on selfishness. Right? We can work on selfishness. So that is what we're working at now. We're not working on God. We're not working on hell. I didn't say, oh, you cause big mistake in your marriage, you're going to hell. No, I didn't say that. Christ is upset with you. I'm going to cut off your hand or your eyes and pluck it out because you look lustfully at another woman. No, I'm working on selfishness. Selfishness. Because in marriage, if you're selfish, that relationship will not work. And sometimes people have uh, misunderstood selflessness as, self, uh, as uh, se- uh, selflessness, Right? Uh, because when you're too selfless and doing whatever you want and do not take care of your wife and children and your friends at home, that is not selflessness. That is also selfishness. If somebody asks you to walk a mile, walk with him an extra mile. Because the Roman has used portals to carry their loads. That's what... And then forgive your enemies. Love your neighbor. This thing astonished Circus Paulus. And he decided to believe and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It is an invitation to a lifestyle. See? It's not about heaven and hell. It's not about if you don't believe in Christ, now you're going to go. It was never about it. It was work on your marriage. Love your enemies. Be selfless. Look for that higher, higher state in you. So you can make a difference in people's lives. And he said, that's it. That's what I was looking for. I believe in you. I'll follow you. You see the difference? That's making disciples. All right. Before we do that. Now here. Uh, here. 
what, what happens when we make disciples? Then the proconsul believed when he saw what he had done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Astonished, astonished at the teaching of the Lord. The life, the teaching of our Christ is astonishing, magnifying, beautiful. It is contagious. It is glorious. It's magnificent. You invite people to death. Do not confront them with hell and death and sin. When the two thieves were on the cross and when they were dying, what did Jesus do? Did he try to convert the robber on the left? He did not try to convert. This was his last opportunity before he leaves the earth. I'm going to convert him. He never said anything to the one on the left because his life was a story, was an example. He was an invitation to paradise and the one on the right got it. And he accepted the invitation and that day he was with him on paradise. He did not convert or try to convert the thief on the left. He invited him by dying on the cross. It is for him to take it, to believe it, and to follow him. Then, why are we trying so hard to confront and convert people rather than inviting them to the life of Christ? I am not against conversion. Don't quote me on that. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. You can go back to the tape again. I am not against conversion. Conversion is the basis for us to have a resurrected life. I know that. But I'm saying invite people to the life of Christ. Our Jesus. A Jewish sorcerer was there. He didn't want. Circus Polis. To become a Christian. And Paul confronted him. This was like to a believer because he was a Jew. And say, you are full of deceit and fraud. You are son of unrighteousness. You are making the straight path crooked. This can happen with believers. We are the one that make it hard for people to come to Christ. Because we have so many rules and regulations. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We have so many rules and regulations. And instead of pointing people to God, we point to ourselves. What is bar Jesus? It means son of Jesus. The ironic distance cannot be greater. The son of Jesus is leading people away from Jesus Christ and pointing to himself. He was taught as a fortune teller. He's telling Circus Paulus, you believe in me, not in God. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. God loves broken spirit and contrite heart. If you humble yourself before the Lord, He will lift you up. Those who direct away from God, from the Lord Jesus Christ, that is against the Lord. That is not the lie because the devil comes to kill, to rob, steal, to destroy your life. And Christ said, I will give you an abundant life. What is that life? Joy, peace, hope, faith. All the fruits of the Spirit. That's what Christ wants you to have. Right? Isn't that a great invitation? How many of you are ready to receive that invitation this morning? If you do, I'm getting excited. Let's be on our feet that the Spirit of God will minister to us. There is no greater truth than this. There is no stronger love that we know. God Himself came down on earth 
and died and gave his life and invited us to follow him. Making disciples, not Christians. Making disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. If you want prayer, we're going to be here this morning. Some of us will be here. Some of us will be at the back. If you want to recommit your life, rededicate your life, come forward. If you want to give your life to Christ, come forward or there. If you want to become a member of a church, have more questions, you can come forward, be at the back. Lord Jesus, as we sing this song, may the Holy Spirit minister to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.